Welcome to the Mariners podcast from Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20, T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0, and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. Today is Wednesday. We are going to talk about yesterday's 4-1 victory uh, by the Mariners over the San Diego Padres. We will preview today's game, uh, today's pitching matchup, go over a couple of roster moves that happened before the, the game yesterday. And if we have time, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Jacob deGrom's injury news and how it impacts the uh, Seattle Mariners moving forward. So yesterday looked like the Mariners uh, benefited from the day off. There were some clear uh, hitting approach changes in this game against the Padres. Uh, Mariners look good. Uh, really, really nice at bats. Logan Gilbert was uh, prime Logan Gilbert. Uh, Andres Munoz, fresh off the um, off of his injury, uh, pitched a, a dynamite eighth inning, and Paul Seawald came in to close it out. So Mariners win 4-1, uh, eight hits. Game was tied at one uh, through five innings. Uh, Taylor Hernandez hit a solo home run in this top of the sixth to give the Mariners a 2-1 lead. Mariners tacked on two in the eighth. Um, to win 4-1. <clears throat> so what are the storylines from this game? Uh, really, uh, Teo Hernandez, Ty France, and Julio Rodriguez each went two for four. They certainly deserve credit uh, for their four at-bats, each and two hits. But the real MVP, in my mind, <clears throat> from an offensive perspective for the Seattle Mariners, was J.P. Crawford. He set the tone in the top of the first with a seven-pitch single uh, off of Joe Musgrove. Uh, JP then in the top of the third had a seven-pitch walk. Uh, His next at-bat was an 11-pitch fly out to right field in the top of the fifth. He uh, had a five-pitch ground out in the top of the seventh. But basically what I'm getting at is, you know, J.P. Crawford was swinging really early in the count against the Rangers, and he's the tone setter. He's the leadoff hitter. He's supposed he's in that spot to get on base, to walk, to foul off pitches, and he wasn't doing that against Texas. And I think that sets the tone for the offense. I also think it um, allows the opposing pitcher to get deep into games, and uh, his job as as the leadoff hitter, he in particular with his skill set. He needs to be making the pitcher work as much as possible. The at-bat in the top of the fifth was was phenomenal. He That was where he had the 11-pitch at-bat and the fly-out. But he fouled off five straight balls at one point. And uh, at another point, it was uh, seven of nine pitches were fouled off. Joe Musgrove, the opposing starter for the Padres, threw 112 pitch – or excuse me, 102 pitches through five innings and and surrendered only one walk. This is what I was pounding the table for, um, for the Mariners to do for the last week or so. Make the opposing pitcher work, get into the opposing team's bullpen, especially middle relief, and do damage there. Um, it wasn't as if Musgrove was, um, was really missing the plate as much as, uh, the Mariners were fouling pitches off and getting deep into counts. Uh, you can see that in the fact that he only gave up one walk. 
Uh, Joe Musgrove is not a wild pitcher. He tends to be around the zone. But the Mariners, again, made him work. And it was uh, despite the fact he only gave up one run and struck out eight Mariners in five innings, he was gone. And the Mariners capitalized that by getting um, to the bullpen and doing damage there. A couple of other at-bats to note or players to note. It was uh, pretty clear to me that the Padres' book on Jared Kelnick was to uh, not give him a single fastball to hit. Uh, In the top of the first, it was a five-pitch at-bat by J.K. Uh, Curveball, curveball, changeup, fastball up and in off the plate, and then a changeup. Again, uh, then he when he hit in the top of the third, it was a seven-pitch strikeout. It went curveball slider, curveball change, curveball, curveball change. And five of those seven pitches were um, were low and in. Uh, they're not giving him any sort of um, any sort of fastball to hit. He came to came at or excuse me came to the plate top six against Brent Honeywell. Uh, Honeywell's a right-handed pitcher. Uh, throws a screwball. I think the only screwball in the major leagues, as far as I know. Uh, changeup sweeper. Changeup screwball. Changeup for a strikeout. So no no fastballs there either. And then a four-pitch strikeout in the top of the eighth. Sweeper, sweeper, fastball that was way up and outside, and then a changeup. So point is, book on Jared Kelnick, do not throw him fastballs. Uh, That's what the Padres did, and he didn't do any damage. Um, The Mariners scored in uh, in the third inning. uh, Mike Ford, uh, four-pitch strikeout. Colton Wong had a nice seven-pitch at-bat in which he grounded out to second, but that's, again, what we want to see from Colton Wong, make the pitcher work. Uh, JP walked on seven pitches. Uh, Julio singled on a slider that was way outside. And then Ty France um, uh, drove in JP Crawford with a single. So Mariners go up one nothing. Uh, to me, that's kind of Mariners baseball. JP walking on a seven-pitch at-bat, Julio singling on a pitch that's not a strike. And Ty France driving the runner in. Uh, and then the Mariners took the lead against Honeywell in the sixth. It was a really nice eight-pitch at-bat um, from Teo Hernandez. Uh, he hit a – the eighth pitch was a changeup that he hit for a home run. It was his tenth on the season. Uh, all but two pitches from Honeywell were in the zone against um, Teo. And uh, if it was me pitching to Teo, I don't know that I would throw him – Many strikes, especially uh, uh, fastballs for strikes, but all, all but two pitches were strikes. It was 108-2 off the bat to center field, 420 feet. Uh, Mariners take a 2-1 lead on that home run. Uh, of note for Logan Gilbert, we'll get to him in a minute, but um, he definitely uh, he threw a lot of fastballs, um, specifically to the Padres, uh, I guess, lesser uh, hitters or hitters lower in the lineup. And he threw very, very few fastballs to uh, Manny Machado. Found that really interesting. He kept going slider, 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 uh, splitters as well. Um, Machado in the second uh, struck out slider, knuckle curve, fastball slider. They're all located well. He saw five pitches in the bottom of the fourth for a strikeout, only one fastball there. Uh, In the bottom of the sixth, it was four sliders and one fastball that was way outside. He did walk there. And then in the bottom of the ninth against Seawald, it was fastball up and in. 
and then three sweepers that were uh, low or low and away for a strikeout. So book on Machado, don't give him a fastball to hit. Keep throwing him sliders and sweepers until he uh, gets himself out. Uh, so 2-1 Mariners after uh, in the middle of the sixth. Uh, Logan Gilbert was cruising. Uh, he threw seven innings. He ended up throwing seven innings. Um, three hits, one walk, two or three hits, one run, two walks, six Ks, 97 pitches to go to four and three with the 3-8-0 ERA. We'll dig a little deeper into Gilbert's performance in a moment. Uh, top eight, Steve Wilson, right-handed reliever for the Padres, came in for Tom Crossgrove. And uh, Julio swung at the first pitch he saw, which was a sweeper at the top of the zone that he hit out to left center field. It was 108.6 off the bat, 30-degree launch angle, 436 feet with a 1,000 XBA. Um, Yes, it's of note that Julio hit a home run. Yes, uh, you know, he has been hitting much better. This was his 11th home run on the season. But this was a big deal to me because, you know, Julio's been hitting everything to right center and he's been hitting the ball hard. And while you don't want to pick him apart when he's the player, AL player of the week and starting to, you know, really round into shape, um, round into form, this was a home run was of note because he hit it to left center field. What we've been looking for him to do is uh, to hit, to elevate, um, to left center and to left. And that's what he hasn't been doing. Part of it may have been that his bat was sped up because it was a sweeper that he hit. Um, but if he can start to get out in front and and elevate, I think we'll start to see much more power from Julio Rodriguez. So again, of note that this home run went out to left center and not to right center. Uh, it was a majestic shot, just absolute bomb. Greeted uh, Steve Wilson first pitch out of the bullpen. Uh, and then after that, Ty France hit a double. Um, Jerry Kelnick struck out. Tail singled and then uh, singled in a run. And then Cal Raleigh hit into a double play. Uh, Paul Seawall came in in the ninth. Uh, got a little hairy for a minute. He had two on, one out. Um, but he struck out Jake Cronenworth on four pitches and got um, Brandon Dixon to ground out 4-3. So, again, the Mariners win 4-1 uh, on eight hits. Uh, Julio Rodriguez and Teo Hernandez both hit home runs. Andres Munoz came in in the eighth, uh, struck out two, gave up nothing else. It was his second hold on the season. And then Paul Seawald came in for his 12th save. He goes to uh, uh, with the 2.84 ERA. Logan Gilbert in this start, um, pitch, he averaged uh, 95.7 on the fastball. That was up a half a tick. Slider and splitter with same velocity as normal, um, 88.7 on the slider, 85.4 on the splitter. Knuckle curve was down in velocity a little bit, but the spin was up 110 um, revolutions. He looked good. Logan Gilbert located a little better in this game. As I've talked about, I think he tries to let his stuff do do the work, but um, he was able to locate a bit better. How do I know this? Mostly it's watching Cal Raleigh's glove. And trying to I'm trying to see where um where he's setting up. Uh you got 14 whiffs on 45 swings. That's good for a 31% whiff rate. Um he let's see what else can I share here. Uh five of those were on the fastball out of 21 swings. He did get seven whiffs on 14 swings on the slider. 
which is much, much better than his yearly uh, or year-to-date whiff rate. So his year-to-date whiff rate is now 27.9%. So he almost doubled that on the slider. Splitter, he got two swings and misses out of eight uh, eight sliders. But Logan Gilbert, you know, when he's going well, this is Logan Gilbert. It's limiting hits. It's a strikeout per inning, maybe a little bit more even. Um, he certainly uh, demonstrates control, not always command, but control in that he doesn't walk a ton of hitters. Um, just look good. Uh, seven innings from him. Andres Munoz threw 11 sliders and five fastballs. His slider was down 1.1 miles an hour over his yearly average. I don't think that's of concern since he's just coming off the injured list. Um, he uh, he struck out uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, he got two whiffs on five sliders and both fastballs got whiffs. So four of his seven swings were um, uh, were whiffs for Andres Munoz. So he's back. The Mariners used him in a high leverage situation in that they were up for one. Uh, I think while Justin Topa did a pretty phenomenal job um, in that role while Munoz was on the injured list, I do believe Munoz will assume that eighth inning role again. Uh, I think given his injury history, having him go one inning and a predictable inning is probably the best situation for him. Uh, would you like to see him in that highest leverage role where he's going one in the third sometimes or coming in the sixth or the seventh? I think yes, but uh, because he's injured so often and throws, throws so hard, I think and what I mean by throwing so hard is there's injury risk in that. Um, I think giving him a full inning to start as they did in the eighth uh, for Munoz is the best place for him. And then Seawald as the closer, what that would do for the bullpen is that would push back uh, Justin Topa to the seventh. I think Matt Brash could be uh, someone that could put out fires um, anytime the starter comes out. Uh, I think it's a good role for him, given the, the quality of his stuff, but the lack of control or command as of right now. Gabe Spire will be the lefty for tough matchups. And then the other three, currently it's Taylor Saucedo, Matt Festa, and Chris Flexen are there. Uh, primarily for mop-up and extra innings, but it really does lengthen the bullpen quite a bit uh, to get Andres Munoz in the eighth, um, allow Justin Topa, Matt Brash, and Gabe Spire to handle the other uh, leverage situations before the eighth inning. Uh, with Topa pitching in the eighth, then you're relying on Brash in more leverage situations in the sixth and seventh, um, and I don't know that he, given his lack of control and command as of right now, that that's the best role for him. So welcome back, Andres Munoz. Uh, to the Mariners off the injured list. The Mariners did make a couple of other moves um, to get uh, to get Munoz back on the injured list. Trevor Gott um, went on, to, on the uh, injured list. His injury is uh, listed as TBD in roster resource for fan graphs. Um, not sure if they're just trying to give him a break given the fact that he was uh, struggling quite a bit um, that he was it's so lower back spasms is what it's listed at on CBS sports. Uh, I'm guessing they just want to give him a breather um, since he was so ineffective in his last couple of outings. Uh, that makes sense to me. Penn Murphy's also going to be coming off the um, injured list pretty soon. Uh, he was on there with elbow inflammation. So Munoz takes, Trevor Gott's spot, 
Uh, Dylan Moore is back off of uh, rehab and he slots in in Sam Haggerty's spot. Sam Haggerty was optioned to AAA. Dylan Moore is interesting. Um, and I think he does change the dynamic of this team a bit. He was signed uh, to a contract by the Mariners uh, in the offseason. It showed that the Mariners did value him a bit more than I think people thought. Uh, this contract was three years, $8.875 million. It runs through 2025, so essentially $3 million a year. Uh, Dylan Moore can play really any position on the diamond outside of catcher. Um, I think his most effective position is either second base or left field. Um, but provide speed, a bit of power, um, you know, defense that's not going to hurt you. Uh, For his career, he, uh, one second here, for his career, he is a, versus left-handers, a 225 hitter with a 741 OPS, and versus right-handers, 198 with a 676 OPS. I think that, uh, what he does, I think originally what they thought he would do is be the left-handed or face left-handed pitching um, at second base. So Colton Wong didn't have to, and then spell um, Jared Kelnick at times if AJ Pollock was going to DH. Now I think that they'll probably give more the opportunity to win the job at second base full-time given uh, Colton Wong's struggles. Uh I don't know if the upside is there with Dylan Moore. I think he's just a good um, a good utility piece in my mind, but uh, certainly the Mariners are going to give him that opportunity. Sam Haggerty was struggling. Uh, he hit left-handers really well last season. I think the Mariners wanted to see that from him this season. He ran an incredibly high uh, BABIP in 2022, and I think that is part of the reason for his perceived success in 22. is a bit of luck. Um, the BABIP in 20 in 20 was 364 the babbit last year was 333 um i do think he he's a, a useful player um but for now uh there's not really a place for him given uh, jose caballero's contributions to the mariners so those were yesterday's moves it was muñoz for Gott and dylan moore for sam haggerty uh today's matchup i'm excited for uh today's game starts at 110 in san diego uh, those who haven't been to Petco Park, super fun stadium, very California to me. Uh, really fun outfield, stuff for kids to do um, in the gas lamp. Uh, gas lamp, a lot of stuff to do for adults, obviously, lots of uh, bars and restaurants. And uh, the game that I went to, I ran the uh, the rock and roll marathon in San Diego with my buddy Aaron Horn. Um, and we basically ate fish tacos and drank beer and tequila up until the marathon and uh my first super fun but uh, we went to a uh, Padres game that Friday night and it was phenomenal I want to get down there again day game in San Diego I think would be absolutely awesome so George Kirby is facing Michael Waka in this matchup uh Michael Waka was originally drafted by the uh St. Louis Cardinals he certainly traveled um a pretty well-traveled pitcher. He's 31 now. Uh, coming up, he was not a top prospect, but very highly valued both by the Cardinals and in fantasy. Uh, he pitched for the Cardinals from 2013 until 2019. 
then went to the Mets in 20, Tampa Bay Rays in 21, Boston Red Sox in 22, and then signed a four-year $26 million deal in the offseason with the San Diego Padres. Uh, 24, 5, and 6 are player options. He was a first-round pick. He's 6'6", 215. Uh, this season, he's 5-2 and two with a 3.48 ERA in a 1.15 whip, uh, 62 innings, 7.5% walk rate, 22.5% K rate, 15% uh, K minus BB. He's never been a huge strikeout pitcher, uh, but he also doesn't walk a ton of batters. So he's going to put the ball in play a bit. Um, he can locate pretty well. He's got a super interesting pitch mix to me uh, because his changeup is uh, the pitch he uses most, 31.7%. Uh, 81.8 mile an hour average on the change. This season, surrendering a 195 um, average and a 37.6% whiff rate. It's definitely his strikeout pitch. It's his go-to pitch. Uh, fastball, he throws equally about 31.2% of the time at 92 miles an hour. Only a 169 average on the fastball currently, 17% whip or whiff. Cutter, 15% of the time, 87 miles an hour, uh, 333 average currently, 17.5% uh, whiff rate. Sinker, about 13% of the time at 92 miles an hour, and then it's curveball, 10%. So a five-pitch pitcher, uh, more fastballs and changeups than anything. His changeup is probably his best pitch, um, but interesting that he leads with the change. Uh, zone contact rate is around 82%. That's league average. And his whiff rate is 24.6%, which is right at league average. So what is he? He is a uh, pitch to contact, um, kind of off-speed pitcher that keeps the hitter off balance, who's been uh, pretty successful in his career. His career ERA is 4.02. Uh, his... XERA and XFIP are about a run higher than his actual ERA, but I just think that's that's because he puts the ball in play a lot. But definitely a, you know, if Michael Waka is your number uh, three or four starter, I think you're, you know, you're doing pretty well. If he's your four, you're in business. Uh, the one thing with Waka is that he hasn't always been healthy. Um, the last two seasons, he's thrown 124 and 127 innings. So, I think the Padres were hoping for some, something similar, 130 innings or so. Anything else is a bonus. Um, but Waka is a tough out. And I do think the Mariners will score some runs off of him. Um, but he's he's not uh, – he's a very different pitcher than, um, say, Joe Musgrove in that uh, he leads with the change. And Musgrove is, is much more of a, uh, a fastball slider curve. But another five-pitch pitcher for the Mariners to, to face off against. Uh, George Kirby, we'll do a little deep dive on Kirby as well. Um, 25 years old, uh, 6'4", 215. I'm going to do this for the Mariners pitchers periodically just to update you on the stats. But for the first time through, I will give you the deeper dive. Uh, 25 years old, 6'4", 215. He was drafted 20th overall in the first round in 2019 by the Mariners out of Elon University. He is arbitration eligible in 2026 and a free agent in 29. The Mariners have five plus years uh, of team control, which is pretty wild given how good he is. I would fully expect the Mariners to look to extend Kirby pretty quickly given uh, given how well he's um, performing. Uh, this season, he's five and four with a 3.04 ERA and a 1.01 .01 whip. 
71 innings, 66 hits, only six walks, which is pretty wild. Uh, 58 strikeouts, 2.1% walk rate, which is 99th percentile in major leagues, but only a 20.7% K rate. Uh, his BABIP is 285. That's pretty, pretty normal. Left on base percentage, 78%. Again, a little higher than normal, but I think that part of that is, is his, um, his ability, uh, to limit, uh, base hits when and walks when runners are on only an 8.6% swinging strike rate. What does that mean? Uh, He doesn't get a lot of swinging strikes and uh, he's such a fascinating pitcher to me. And as he progresses, um, he's becoming less and less of a strikeout pitcher, but I think a more effective pitcher along the way, he's got the best control of any Mariners pitcher. Maybe I've ever seen. And he uses that to induce um, outs and weak contact. Uh, but the fact that his swinging strike rate continues to to decrease, it's not a warning sign. Obviously, he's pitching incredibly well, but um, I would like to see him do some things, whether it's pitch mix or location, to uh, get elevate that number slightly. His splits on the year, uh, surrendering a 254 average against left-handers, only a 274 on-base percentage and a 705 OPS. Versus righties, it's 236, 257, 586 OPS. Uh, another uh, stat of note at home, he's got a 372 ERA so far. In a way, it's 234. The the T-Mobile is a notorious pitcher's park, and so it's interesting to me that he's pitched better away from home. His pitch mix, 40% fastball, 22% sinker, both around 95 miles an hour. 17% curve, 15% slider, and then a the curve is at 80, 81.6 slider at 85, and then a change up 5% of the time. Um, more Most whiffs on the fastball, 26% whiff rate. Uh, he's in the zone um, with his pitches, about 10% more than league average. Uh, his first pitch strike, he's about 9% above league average. That starts him out in a, in a pitcher's count. Uh and then his whiff rate is 20.3%, which is actually in the 14th percentile of the major leagues. League average is 24.7%. So George Kirby, um, again, fascinating pitcher to watch. Looks like he can put the ball anywhere he wants. Um, I've said it before. I think he is a dark horse AL Cy Young candidate. Um, I wonder if he is going to tweak his pitch mix and location at all over the course of the year to try to induce more strikeouts. We'll see. Um it could also be that he's trying to pitch as deep into games as possible, and that's why he's trying to induce uh, weak contact and outs instead of trying to go after the strikeout. But either way, George Kirby's been pretty dominant this year so far. Uh, Mariners are lucky to have him. Uh, one other thing to discuss today or talk about is uh, Jacob deGrom, um, news of Jacob deGrom needing Tommy John surgery and having it probably next week came out yesterday afternoon. Uh, a tearful DeGrom spoke about the injury. It uh, looks like he's it's Tommy John, and he's going to be out for, in all likelihood, um, well, for sure, all of 2023, in all likelihood, all of 2024, uh, rehabilitating. I believe DeGrom is 35 years old. I talk about it in part because it was the big signing by the Rangers this season. Um, DeGrom was for the past couple of years, um, the best pitcher in baseball. 
Uh, it's all about health for him. He has not thrown over 92 innings since 2019. Um, and yet in those 92 innings in 2021, he had a Fangraphs war of 4.9. That's wild. He had a 1.08 ERA. His stuff was far and away better than anyone else in baseball. He's able to locate the ball anywhere he wanted. Imagine George Kirby with, you know, Spencer Strider's fastball and slider. That's literally who DeGrom is. Um, sad for baseball as a uh as a Mariners follower, I think that you know it does impact the Mariners' outlook a bit. Um, I think it's it's uh what's the word? I, I think it's an error if you don't um if you don't think about it a little bit differently, since he was such a big part of their plans and is taking up such a huge portion of their um, their salary or their ability to pay players and free agents, their current um, rotation, obviously, as we talked about uh, a couple pods ago, is pitching well, right? So you've got Nathan Eovaldi uh, pitching like a number one. Martin Perez, the last year and a half or so, has been um, has been pretty good. Uh you know, he's a little bit of smoke and mirrors, I think, um, Martin Perez is. But, you know, he's an effective pitcher, especially in that park. Uh, this season, he is running a 3.97 ERA. He's thrown 68 innings. Uh, Dane Dunning has been has been very good this year with the 2.52 ERA. I don't know if that's his true um, talent. His XFIP currently is 4.63. He's a part of that rotation. They signed Andrew Heaney. We talked about him previously. Heaney is more of a five and dive strikeout pitcher. Uh, but there's not, you know, there's some depth in the minor leagues. Um, I think they expected more. So John Gray's the other one, uh, free agent last year. He's been very, very good. So you can count on Gray and Eovaldi, I think, to provide uh, middle rotation innings. And then Perez and Dunning um, are, I think, outperforming their peripherals, but are, are certainly major league starters, more back of the rotation guys. And then Heaney is, again, a five-and-dive type of strikeout pitcher. But if you were to slot DeGrom in with Eovaldi and Gray as your two and three, as opposed to Eovaldi being the one, the dynamic of that rotation completely changes. That's a scary team in the playoffs. You face those guys in a playoff series, and there's no breaks. Um, now it looks like Rangers teams of old and somewhat that can mash, but are ne- not aren't going to get dominant pitching necessarily. So, um, they also have you know you've got Cole Reagans and Spencer Howard who were uh, starters in the minors with a little bit of pedigree. Um, Glenn Otto is another one who's on the injured list currently with a strained shoulder. Um, he could provide some innings. And then in the minors, you've got Cole Wynn, who's really struggled. He was a first-round pick in 18. I don't think you can count on him as of right now. And in AAA, uh, or excuse me, AA, you've got Jack Leiter and Owen White, both of them who, and uh, Takoa Roby as well, all of whom have pedigree. Uh, White was a second-round pick. Um, there are a lot of prospect hounds that are pretty high on Owen White. Jack Leiter with the number two pick overall out of Vanderbilt in 21 was supposed to be a fast mover. He's 23. He can't, he's very inconsistent in finding the strike zone as of right now. And so I don't know if Leiter 
I know he's a part of their future. I don't know if you can count on him in the next half a year or so. Um, and then Kumar Rocker, who they picked third overall last year um, and was expected to move very quickly, is uh, going is also um, going to have Tommy John or already had Tommy John surgery. So then they got Brock Porter as well, um, but Brock Porter is years away. He's 20 years old. So the there are good arms in the Rangers system. There is no one obvious on the way who can slot into that rotation and help. Um, if one of the current five starters was to get hurt, I think they would be in quite a bit of trouble from a starting rotation standpoint. So does that weaken the Rangers? Of course it does, right? Jacob deGrom was the most effective starter per inning in the major leagues for the last, I don't know, four or five years. I don't think it's going to knock the Rangers off their pedestal currently. I do think that they, barring injury, will um, at least contend for the American League West pennant. But if I'm the Mariners and I see, you know, I wouldn't say the Astros have um, have experienced a huge downturn, but I do think the Astros are somewhat vulnerable right now, right? You've got, uh, you know, Framber Valdez is great. Christian Javier is great. Hunter Brown has been very, very good. They've got other pitchers with stuff, JP France, um, Ronel Blanco, but Luis Garcia is having Tommy John. Jose Arquiti has shoulder discomfort. Lance McCullers has a strained elbow. Um, certainly, they they probably have some kind of devil magic with the, some of their minor league starters. But eventually, picking as low in the draft as the Astros do and the penalties from the cheating scandal, they're going to eventually catch up to the Astros. And I think you see that in part with their their starting pitching depth. And then some of their bats haven't performed nearly as well as um, anyone expected. Uh, Jeremy Pena is not an above average uh, bat at shortstop in my mind. I think he doesn't take enough walks and he's undisciplined. Altuve has been hurt. Altuve is also 33. Uh, Jose Abreu has been a complete bust at first base as a free agent signing. And then there's, they're starting Chaz McCormick, Jake Myers and Martin Maldonado currently um, without a lot of help on the way. So, what does this bring me to? I think the Mariners have an opportunity here um, to pounce. I think that, you know, if DeGrom was healthy, uh, that slow build with the Mariners continuing to build through the minor league system, continuing to be uh, fiscally prudent, if you want to call it that, in spending, you know, I was, I'm a proponent of that. I still am. I talked about it last podcast, but if there is an opportunity to really take a big jump and improve one of um, the positions with a big bat, um, bigger than even I, I spoke about on the last pod, I think the DeGrom injury uh, gives you a little bit more of a nudge um, because there is opportunity. The Mariners are a team on the rise, and certainly the Rangers have played much better this year, but that's a big blow to lose DeGrom. So, what does that mean? I guess I have to re-examine some of the bats that I was talking about um, that the Mariners could go after and target uh, maybe some bigger bats than than what were discussed yesterday. Maybe it means trading away uh, better prospects or multiple very, very good prospects in a deal. Maybe it means Jonathan Classe, uh, you paired Classe with a pitcher 
and a, you know, Tyler Locklear, or maybe you think about trading Harry Ford. Um, if you believe that Cal Raleigh is the catcher for the next couple of years, and you believe that offense at catcher is not, um, that Harry Ford is not the offensive catcher uh, that will really be elite and separate him from the other catchers in the league. Uh, what does Ford plus Class A plus, um, say, a Walter Ford or uh, Emerson Hancock or Prelander Barrow, what does that get you? Uh, that could start to get you a pretty good bat. Um, so I would start to think about that if I was Jerry Depoto. Um, I think part of it is the is the injury uh, to Jacob DeGrom. But, you know, the flip side is the Mariners did in this last game. It's one game. I get it's one game. It takes discipline to do it. But Joe Musgrove, who is a professional a very good starting pitcher in the major leagues, and number two, number three, maybe on a championship team. He threw 102 pitches in five innings, and that was because the Mariners' bats had the discipline to take pitches, to foul them off. I think that will make the entire offense better. Again, if you can insert another professional bat into that lineup and lengthen it, now we're talking about playoff contention. So, Good signs from the Mariners yesterday. Uh, today, George Kirby will keep them in the game in all likelihood. Facing Michael Waka, the game starts at 110 in um, hopefully sunny San Diego. Uh, tomorrow, we will uh, talk about today's game. It's an off day for the Mariners. Uh, maybe I'll give you a couple free agent bats um, that were not on the list yesterday uh, that the Mariners could target. But this was fun. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Um, same time, same place. I uh, appreciate you listening. Again, my name is Tino Ganasius. This is the Mariners Cast podcast from Sports Ethos. You can find me on Twitter at Tino Junior 20, T I N O J R 20, and the podcast at Ethos Mariners, E T H O S M A R I N E R S. And we're done. Take care, y'all. Peace.